Good evening, and welcome to the 89th episode of the Mostly Soccer Podcast. My name is Michael J. Dalo, and I'm here with Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy what today? <laughs> How can I follow that up? Uh, Jimmy Handball. Jimmy Handball? You're already starting off on the wrong foot. I'm not even saying. I'm not responding after that. Both of us are are clearly pretty upset about something. Um, I started off with a good evening, and you started off with a handball. So it's going to be an episode full of, I don't know, anger, sadness, just dismay, confusion. Yeah, a lot of emotions that are going to be coming out this episode as we talk about Arsenal and City, respectively. But, Jimmy, this is our 89th episode. We're approaching the big 9-0. And that's coming on an international break. Isn't that kind of lame? Yeah, well, we got to make sure that the big 100 doesn't come on an international break. I know. We're going to we... hit like the Christmas break. It's going to be perfect. <laughs> what are we going to do for our 100th episode? I don't know. We have to come up with something special. If Any anyone... ideas out there? Anyone ideas, please? Yeah. Bueller? We, we will take them. Uh, but this episode, we, we really need to hone in on Arsenal again for what feels like the 89th week in a row. Um, we're going to focus in on City versus Liverpool, and then we're going to answer some Twitter questions. But before we do any of that, Jimmy, we did get a review, and it was targeted towards you. Did you see it? Oh, no, I did not. Oh, Oh, I did not. Right after our last episode on Monday, after you asked for someone to write you a nice review, someone did. Did they write a nice review or did they mean? Um, Oh, that doesn't sound reassuring. (laughs) It was nice. Let's hear it. It wasn't really either or, uh, but... It's titled Prediction. It's from 65 Oxford. And it says, Jimmy, you need to get out of my head. I too deeply believe this year is Raheem, Sterling, Raheem Sterling's year to shine at Anfield. I also think he will get a minimum of two goals. My prediction is 3 one <laughs> to City. Good show. Feel better because you were dying last week. Do you yep. feel better? I do feel better. Oh, that's nice. Well, I, I feel better physically, emotionally. <laughs> I think I'm in a worse place. And they also said, hi, Michael. And then put an emoji of... Someone shrugging. Uh, so that didn't age too well. Didn't age well. Um, Could always update. Love it. where they're at, though. Yeah. We're on that same wavelength. I And honestly, I think Sterling, you could argue, probably was the only, maybe the only City player that had a good game. Mm. So regardless of the fact he didn't get on the score sheet. But we'll get into that later. We but thank you for the review. We really, really do appreciate that. And if there's anyone out there that wants to leave us a five-star review, feel free to do so. I mean, we'll read it. We like them. Um, you know. Oh, they, they make us happy. It's true. And uh, should just mention quickly that the Seattle Sounders are MLS champs. Yes. And, and you know why it makes me happy? This why? is the reason. This I was rooting for them. Do you know why? Yeah. I found out that if Toronto won, Michael Bradley got a clause that would have made him an additional six and a half million dollars. Well, it's a good thing. And you know did. how happy it makes me he didn't get that. <laughs> it, I'm thrilled. Michael Bradley doesn't deserve. We're we are uh, we anything. are those people who I know people hate. Some people are like, no, Michael Bradley's really good. He's actually the team around him is bad. No, he's bad. I, I refuse. I don't accept it. He had his time. He was good. I, I'm not someone who does thinks mm. he sucked all around. Mm. I think he was a good player. He had great moments. He's passed it. Congratulations to Seattle. You deserve it. Yes, congrats, Seattle. And they drew the largest non-concert crowd into CenturyLink. Did you really? see that? Almost 70,000 people. Yeah, and I love that Seattle likes, like, they love the sport. Yeah. I, Seattle, Atlanta, these these clubs that are getting really supported locally is awesome. Uh, we need to be better about that as a I, people. We, in general, ourselves need to be better as well. I was looking up yesterday, actually, season tickets for the Revs. Mm-hmm. They're really not that bad. I think we 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 need to look into this. We need to we need to be better. It's true. We need to be better. I would like to. Do, I mean, it's like 
500 bucks mm-hmm. for 17 games, mm-hmm. which if you go to one Patriot game, yeah. it's $300 <laughs> yeah. like for the worst seat in the house. So, I mean, it, I do want to, I know I said this last year, I'm pretty sure, but I want to make a commitment to like get into MLS. Yeah. And I want to do it because I think a lot of people, I think there's a lot of people who like MLS and it's kind of given the short end of the stick by a lot of people. Yeah. I actually, I made a tweet on our Twitter about MLS related tweet and it got like more likes than we generally get right away. Yeah. Um, which I do want to say, another short thing, Fonzo Davies is an absolute stud. Mm, that's a Amazing Bayern. game for him in Bayern Munich. Playing it left back against BVB as Bayern demolished them. Um, that no manager bump. Yes. Yeah, the no manager bump. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bayern, maybe Bayern doesn't need a manager. Maybe they're better if you just let them, just kind of let them free ball it. Yeah, I agree. But Jimmy, let's get into the stuff that we don't want to talk about and let's start off with my big one it was Leicester 2 Arsenal nil uh, and you had the displeasure of watching this whole game you said yes didn't you and here's the thing here's my uh reason why I don't think we need it will be as long as we usually are I think everybody who watched this game expected Leicester City to win yeah I I think that's it yeah. I think we we're at the point now where it's anyone going into this game expected Leicester to really be the one who would win yes and it's Yes and no. I mean, like, I predicted Arsenal lose. But, like, at the beginning of this game, I was like, they might do it. They might. I always have that false hope mm-hmm. in Arsenal. Well, I, that's being a fan. I yeah. Mean, you always have that hope. But I think at the King Power, Leicester on the roll that they're on, mm-hmm. and Arsenal on the opposite of a roll, whatever, falling off a cliff, whatever you want to call it. That's accurate. Um, this just set up so nicely. And it was, it was just a bad evening all around. Um, but let's go through the formation here. We had a three at the back for mm-hmm. the first time this season, as far as I can really, remember. Yeah. Really under Emery, it feels yeah, like. Yeah. And uh, Rob Holding was back in the team. Something we were calling for, I think, earlier in the year, if you yeah. remember. Yeah. And to be fair, it wasn't the worst thing Emery's ever done, the back three. No, I don't think it... Uh, I, I did kind of enjoy watching Arsenal defend a little bit, like mm-hmm. with some, yeah. I don't know formation some organization but uh we had rob holding david louise and calm chambers as the back three we had hector bellerin make his premier league debut finally uh Kalasinac over tyranny which i did not understand mm-hmm. then in the midfield we had guenduzi Torreya, which was great uh and then for the way arsenal played this doesn't make sense we had ozil Aubameyang, and lacazette mm-hmm. so if you watch this game you know that arsenal sat behind the halfway line for the entire 90 minutes, which mm-hmm. was um, one of the worst performances I've ever seen. I, I did say that I liked watching them defend with mm-hmm. some organization, and that's just because it was a change of pace away from home. And um, aside from that, the formation, the tactics, I have to say it was it was just so dull. It, it seemed like they gave up before the game even started. They played like we were going in to play Barcelona mm-hmm. and like yeah they showed the ultimate respect to Leicester in this and, game. which I don't understand um I mean Leicester I think are a great team they're great but um, they're not like not to the point I mean the away. more it's just it's a statement the fact that Arsenal have to go into a game and they're just set up to play defensive is it's, it's shocking in a lot of ways when you yes. look at the history of Arsenal over you know the last 20 years or so it's not what you expect no um I thought Hector Bellerin, you said, came in. I thought he had a very good game. He was one of the few Arsenal players I thought was good. Yeah. He gave them pretty much their most attacking spark all game. Yeah. He was the only one really getting forward on the ball. 
Um, I thought Colin Chambers was pretty good. He's yeah. been rough. He's kind of been in some rough form lately, but I thought he was pretty good in this game. They defended pretty well. Yeah, they did. In general, they they were pretty good defensively. Leicester had a lot of chances, but I mean, yeah. they, they they were solid. Um, I kind of I I didn't think like we said Arsenal didn't really offer much going forward. No, and uh, Lacazette missed one from inside the net, yeah. which was pretty bad. Yep, classic. Uh, but the the thing that I'm really wanting to talk about from this game is why no Nicolas Pepe in a formation in a game plan that clearly would have suited him. We wanted to sit behind the ball. We wanted to literally put eleven people behind the halfway line, and we wanted to try and counterattack. And we did that semi-successfully a few times we were called off sides on one of the goals that Aubameyang scored and Arsenal when they did have the very very few chances where they did counter successfully they looked very threatening and you'd have to say that maybe Mesut Ozil wasn't the guy who should have taken Pepe's spot here and obviously they played different roles but that would probably be the not the substitution or the the swap change. for players, you maybe, know what I mean? yeah. Um, and Ozil had an interesting game. He didn't play bad. I don't at think. All. And here's the thing. And I know I put out a tweet basically saying I don't want to hear that he's the solution again. Let me kind of explain that because I don't think he was bad. He was definitely wasn't the worst player for Arsenal. He was fine. Field. He played well. He was fine. But he, my point was, what did he do in this game that showed that he needed to be playing over anybody else? He did nothing. He did nothing really spectacular all game. Yeah, and so that was my point. More of mm. he's not the answer to their problems. Playing him does not all of a sudden make Arsenal good again. No, like, definitely that, not. That was my point of what I was saying. I don't think he was that bad. Generally, I don't know if anybody on Arsenal was terrible. No, but no one was really good. Bellerin, like I said, I think you could argue was pretty good. But outside of him, I I'll tell you someone who I'm also fed up with. I I. I Cannot stand Lucas Torreya. Really? Just because the fact he... I mean, this guy hits the ground more than anyone I've ever seen. Anytime the camera is on him, he's on the ground. And I, I get it. And, you know, it's that kind of South American type of style. But he was like... It was getting ridiculous Lucas at Torreya one point. This game. It was really getting hard to watch at one point. It was yeah. like, oh my God, with this guy. I know. He he uh, he is one for the dramatics, for sure. But back to the, the point about Ozil that I was kind of trying to make. It's not that he doesn't deserve to be in the team. It's just for the way that they were clearly trying to play on the mm-hmm. counter, he's not really suited for that. No, he's a, Maybe to pick out a pass, yeah. I guess. He's a possession-based player. When you have possession yeah. and you need to unlock the defense, suits or, him more than when you're trying to counterattack. Or even if you want to play on the counter, maybe you take out Kolasinac, you play a back four, and then you put Pepe up top with Aubameyang and Lacazette. It just doesn't make sense to me that someone who we bought for 75, 80 million pounds is sitting on our bench during a game plan that clearly suits him, which he was known for at Mm -hmm. Lille. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just another shocking decision by Emery to, Mm -hmm. to not bring him in. And then when he does bring him in, it's the 80th fucking minute and we're down two goals. Why are we waiting so long to make substitutions? And we make the wrong substitution over and over again. The only thing that I can say that Emery did well this game is he didn't sub on Karen Tierney in like the 80th when we needed two goals. He left on Kolasinac, didn't feel the need to sub out a uh, left, left back, back for a left again. back. Um, can we swing to the other side, though? And I want to talk about Leicester, because I feel like that a lot of people probably focusing on Arsenal struggles and not focusing on how good Leicester were in this game. Yeah. Created chances all game. 
did very well in um, defending against Lacazette and Aubameyang. Outside of that one chance that Lacazette should have scored, yeah. they didn't really offer much else. Uh, Johnny Evans and Sonny Chu were very, very good. Um, the person I want to f- focus on, though, is Ndidi, who I thought was awesome in this game. Mm. He was everywhere on the field. He sh- almost scored a great goal. He He's just involved in everything they do. He's very good, solid defensive player, but he's also very good in possession. He's always there offering for a pass. He, he We've seen him score goals before. He just he goes very underrated. A lot of people, and for rightly so, focusing on Vardy, Madison, Tillemans, even uh, Perez and uh, Barnes have yeah. been really good lately. So, I mean, this whole Leicester team is just a, it, it is a very, very good team. Like, when you look at them, they're starting 11. I, I, I Looking at their bench, I don't see the depth that the other top teams have, and mm. that's kind of, you know, where the concern would be. Though, I, I will say that, uh, what's it, Pratt has been solid when we see yeah. him in Chaudhry. Um, the man with the, the awesome afro. Yeah. Uh, are both very good players. But outside of that, I mean, Damari, Damari Gray. Gray is... I like Damari Gray, actually. Da, Damari Gray is a... He's a useful player. He's quick. He brings yeah. athleticism to the game, but he he doesn't exactly have the best end product. But I I just I I really like this Leicester team. I thought that they played perfectly this game. They were patient. They waited for their moment, and when they when they had him, they took him. Yeah, and uh, the two goals that they scored were excellent. Oh. I mean, great team mm-hmm. goals, great strike from James Madison on the second mm-hmm. one, and. Um, I mean, yeah, Leicester, we, we talked about it a few weeks ago. I know Gavin sent us a tweet and basically told us, like, Leicester City are flying under the radar because all these other teams are doing so bad. But are they in second place right now? They are. They, are. Place, yes. they sit in second place. And, um, I mean, they're rightfully so. probably the story of the season, if not for uh, Arsenal, United, and Tottenham playing so terribly. Mm-hmm. And uh, each week, those three teams outdo each other for who is the worst in the Premier League right now. <laughs> um, but it, it's just another disappointing performance, and we got outcoached again. And I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, Leicester away is always going to be a tough game for Arsenal, mm-hmm. a team who doesn't play well away. But we got dominated. We were dominated for 90 full minutes. And we were scared, and they didn't even look like they believed that they could play this team. Like, we can't play Leicester City. Yep. That's Arsenal the, can't play Leicester that's City. That's where it. we're at right that's now. That's the state of it right that now. That Arsenal football club is scared to go away and play Leicester City. Yeah. That's how terrible this mm-hmm. team is right now. They have nothing. I, I just don't know even what to say anymore because the results are so terrible, so shocking that they're – it's like I'm seriously just becoming like, yep, another loss, another week. This is what it must feel like to be, I don't know, like a Burnley fan. But when you win, it's more exciting because you're not supposed to. Uh, I don't really know where to go from here with Arsenal. It's it's shocking that they haven't made any moves to get a new manager. I mean, this is where we're at. It's, it's get a new manager or continue to lose every single game that you play. And the board has come out and supported Emery. Uh, supposedly, they're going to reevaluate at the end of the season. And if that's truly the case... I think Arsenal finished in like 8 to 10th range because they're very bad. And I also think, and we got a tweet, um, I forget who it was from, but they basically said if it keeps going like this, Arsenal are going to lose Aubameyang. 
Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. rumors were already floating around this summer that him and Lacazette were two players who big teams were coming for. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we were lucky to keep both of them this summer, especially with the spending that we had. Mm-hmm. And if the team is going to continue on this trajectory, if they don't get rid of Emery, I would not be shocked to see both of them leave in the summer. Wow. I mean, why why stick around? Aubameyang has probably two to five good years left of his career. I mean, he's 30 it's a big years range. old. Right? <laughs> two to five. Just, I mean, I don't know. Some players can play. <laughs> no, uh, it's just I've never heard. It's like two to three. Two to five. Yeah. He's got he's got a good one to 20 <laughs> years in his career left. Perhaps. And Lacazette is also someone who's getting up there in age. So um, from, from Arsenal's standpoint, if they could get some money for both of those players – they probably should sell them, and for both of those players, they'd probably want to leave. All right, that's true. I could agree with that. And I know we have Arsenal questions after. All right, uh, to yeah, answer, we'll save it for those. Um, I hate them. <laughs> I hate them, and I don't like watching them anymore. And the team is no fun, and they just stink. They really do. <laughs> they just stink. And I need the international break because maybe after that I can enjoy watching them again. But anyways, Jimmy. Okay, let's move to the Friday night game. Ugh. Which uh, we dif- we differed on in the predictions. Oh, yeah. And I said I thought Wofford would finally get their first win. And they did. 2-0 against Norwich. Win. Their first win. It first took them win, 12 games. It did. Um, but I think the bigger story here is that Norwich are in serious trouble. Yeah, they currently sit in dead last. They Seven points. Yeah, and the, I mean, here's the thing. Wofford have been very bad. And somehow now have eight points. Southampton have also been very bad set on eight. And like you said, Norwich on seven. Three of which came against Manchester City, shockingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of ever since that game, pretty much, it has been a disaster for them. Yeah. Um, I, I think I am really, I think they're going down. I'm going to say I, I just, and I, I'm sad about it because they have some players I like, but they're not scoring goals. Pookie has gone ice cold after an incredible start. Um, our boy, Todd Cantwell, has got to the point where he isn't even starting the last game. Mm. Um, they're just they're struggling right now. And I don't think they need to make a managerial change because I think they have a good manager. I just I I just don't think that they have the, the squad depth to get out of this. Yeah. That that's kind of been the big thing with Norwich is that their squad depth is like nothing they have yeah. like 15 players against yeah. city they yeah, were so yeah. depleted mm-hmm. and the fact that they won was kind of like a miracle for them but i'm just looking at the table now and i wonder what team is going to go down like what team is going to go down before I, they do yeah and that's I, honestly, why i'm yeah, like that's the thing i mean honestly the bottom three right now look pretty convincing as the bottom three at the yeah. end of the year being southampton and Wofford joining them um southampton just it's kind of going all kind of sideways pretty quick on that. But I think the, these are all teams that can rebound, though. Well, that's the thing is Wofford and Southampton have talent. Mm. That's why I think with Norwich, like there's some good talent there, but in general, the depth being such an issue, I, I look at it and I just say, I think that team's done. And I, I think you could argue that Southampton and Wofford are probably done, too. Yeah. I, I don't know, though. We're only 12 games in. I mean, there's a early. long it's road ahead. It's very early. Aston Villa haven't been convincing. 
Um, no, but they but they're scoring. At but least. they scored. That's the thing, and they're in every game. Yeah, you never watch Aston Villa and they're getting blown out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other three, you've seen them kind of get beat up in a lot of games. Yeah. Um, Everton and West Ham, just too down. much talent. Tottenham maybe. Tottenham <laughs> maybe go down. Arsenal maybe go down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but Crystal Palace, Newcastle, my two favorites yeah. to go down. I I don't think they're going anywhere. No, They've both they been excellent. Yeah. And Burnley, too. Burnley hasn't been excellent, but they've been they good very, enough. You want to move to that game right now, too? Yeah, go Let's for it. Let's talk about that. Burnley, three. West Ham, nil. The most West Ham performance. West Ham, full, full collapse at this point. <laughs> it, it, it's getting bad. But this is what they do, Jimmy. They'll win a few games, make you think they're world beaters, yep. and then they'll go out and they'll lose a few games that make you think they're relegation candidates. It's just the most mid-table team of all time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this was a, a Burnley special Barnes and Woods, Wood, <laughs> excuse me, getting goals, and then an own goal, and then just shut up shop. 17 yeah. fouls, just <laughs> good old-fashioned Burnley style. Love Burnley at the turf more. Uh, and then on Saturday, we also had Newcastle 2, Bournemouth 1. Yeah. Kind of a a surprising fixture here. DeAndre Yedlin scoring. Yeah, I know. DeAndre <laughs> Yedlin gets on the score sheet. Uh, Bournemouth actually scored first through Callum Wilson, and then two quick Harry goals. Harry Wilson. Oh, Harry Wilson. There's so many Wilsons on and this. This team. is the Liverpool Wilson kid. Oh shit! Oh, I saw that goal. Yeah. That was the set piece goal. Yeah, that was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, he also scored a beautiful uh, free kick against City, if you remember. He's, yes, he's, I do. he's a talent. He is. Um, but yeah, Yedlin scores in the 42nd, then Clark in the 52nd, yep. and Newcastle continue to roll. And I know that we have a Steve Bruce-related question Love it. towards the end of this podcast. Uh, we will get to that. But yeah, Newcastle surprising a lot of people with how uh, consistent they've been. Rafa was maybe the problem, Jimmy. <laughs> I know that you don't want to I know to you can't it. hear my eye roll, but just know that that was a dramatic eye roll. <laughs> and then we had Southampton 1, Everton 2. Everton win! They yes. scored two goals! They did. Amen. Uh, Tom Davies gets the first one in the fourth minute. Danny Ng scores a goal Mm -hmm. to show you how vulnerable Everton's defensive (laughs) line is, that Danny Ng is able to score. And then Rich Arlson in the 75th. Yeah, we we should talk about Tom Davies a little bit. And just to say, I think a lot of Everton fans have been screaming for Tom Davies. He's in the team now, and he's playing well. Amen. Um, They need it. I mean, it would also... um, (laughs) Everton's striker situation is still just confusing. Tosin gets a start after his great goal last time against Tottenham. Uh, you saw Calvert Lewin and Moise Ken come on. Uh, I am, I am, I still believe we will see Moise Ken come good, but the kid needs a goal. Yeah, he needs a goal to just kick on. Same yeah. thing with your boy Pepe. I know he scored now, I believe, three set-piece goals, mm. but yet to score a goal from open play, I think these these trends, they just need that. It, it really makes a big difference. When it's been a few games, you need to get that one, yeah. and then you can kind of get rolling. Well, it helps if you play. Yeah, that does that you help can a lot. Actually, That uh, does help quite goal. a bit. <laughs> um, and then from there, we had Chelsea beat Crystal Palace 2-0. Chelsea continue to roll. Tammy Abraham is an absolute monster of a player. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think he's going to be good for a long, long he is time. very good. And Christian Pulisic, yeah. another great game. For Five the, goals in three games. Oof, American stud, Christian Pulisic. And boy, he looks great. Yeah. Every time I feel like I've watched him play these past few weeks, and I know he's been on yeah. fire, but he's looked excellent. Well, Whenever he's on the yeah. ball, like... Pfft, 
He looks like the player that everyone has always said the potential is there for. Yeah. Like, he looks confident. Unfortunately, left the game actually with a little bit of an injury. But, you know, he's got the international break to heal up. But, I mean, this is the player that we've all wanted to see. Yeah. It's, he, he is very direct. He goes at players, uses his pace, has a good dribbling ability, takes people on. And I think the end product's always been the concern with him. And you're starting to see, like, some pretty, like, this was a header. Like, these are... These are good goals, yeah. and he's scoring them. He's fitting in the team, and you know, credit to Frank Lampard. A lot of people very critical of him for the way he was playing, aka not playing Pulisic. Yeah, and uh, looks like it was the right call. Yeah. Uh, everything Frank's touching right now is turning to gold. I so, know. I mean, you got to give him credit. He he's doing wonders over there. Reese James too has come into the team and looked really really good um i just this chelsea team is so damn likable that it hurts i know and (laughs) dare i even say this because it even furthers the chelsea narrative that christian pulisic looks a little bit hazardish to me well it's like everybody like you don't want to say it he does though there's a reason that he was the player they brought in for it is like and like i said not hazard like now hazard (laughs) like Like, good no no not not like last year's (laughs) Hazard where he was dominant yeah. but like the Hazard when he first came to Chelsea yeah. where it was a lot of taking people on and sometimes it didn't work but sometimes it did but mm. you saw the flashes it it is that it's it is a very talented player we have to see if it you know if he can really pan out and fully yeah. be that but it's exciting to see for sure but Chelsea man I don't want to believe that they're sitting in third right now tied for second they're really really good and I want to apologize for officially after week 12 uh for my chelsea hate early on in this mm-hmm. uh in this season where i thought they were going to finish mid table and arsenal were going to finish kind of where they are now so of course the tables have turned i wish i was a chelsea fan uh my life would have been so much better if that <laughs> were the case and you know they've just been flying and if you're a new fan to the sport in america if Christian Pulisic didn't it's do it so for you, me. yeah, I mean, it's just the marketing for Chelsea right now. If you're a new fan to the game, it's a no-brainer. It's everything you need, youth. Uh, if you're an American fan, Pulisic. Yeah. I mean, attacking. Yeah, just just an exciting former fun player team. as manager. Like yeah. it's just it lines up. I mean, good credit to them. They know what they're doing over there. Yeah, you know, I am jealous. <laughs> but uh, and then something that made me feel a little bit good this weekend was Tottenham. Drawing at home to Sheffield United. Should have lost at home to Sheffield United if not for good old VAR coming to the rescue. And, you know, you got to give VAR credit. I mean, this amazing (laughs) system. It took took the time, good three minutes to analyze that goal. Fucking hate it. Um, I mean... You love to see it. You just love to see the the wonders of VAR. If you're in the stadium... And you're waiting on this decision for three yeah. and a half minutes. And you got to really love the consistency, oh. how they've committed to it, always doing a thorough couple <laughs> minutes to search it. And not just a few seconds. They don't just do a few seconds. They're consistent yeah. with it always being a long time to look at these goals. you got to love it. VAR has not favored a team like it has favored Tottenham Hotspur. Well, fav- maybe favor is not the right word. I don't know. Giving them points. It's giving them points, but they've had some tough ones come Spoon against them, too. Them. They've had some that went the other way. But there's never been a... They're definitely the most involved in VAR. Yeah. VAR and they It's just tale of their season and a half at this point. True. It is just... It follows them. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but we had a goal in the 58th from Sun. Mm-hmm. Classic Sun goal. Yep. The only good player on Tottenham. <laughs> 
And then we had a 78th minute goal from Baldock. George, <laughs> George. Baldock. And Sheffield are just so good. I mean, I know that we've uh, kind of like joked around about Sheffield yeah. a little bit. Fifth place Sheffield United. Fifth place Sheffield United. Another story of the season, if not for big teams collapsing on themselves. Yeah. Uh, Leicester City and Sheffield United are not getting enough credit, yeah. and they are two of the better teams in the league. It's I'll, crazy to say. I'll say this. I won't be surprised if Sheffield, you know, after the, the around the Christmas time, starts sliding down the table. There's so. always that team that does. But either way, to be on 17 points at this point in the season, which is nine points clear of the relegation zone, they are very well on pace to stay up, and credit to them. And uh, they, they they really have been one of the more impressive teams. And the thing is, they're not just drawing games in an ugly fashion or winning games in an ugly fashion. They are doing it with style mm-hmm. and with confidence. And with a unique style that's their own. Yes. And, I mean, to go away to Tottenham and get a result, to beat Arsenal at home, to do everything that they have done this season has just been pretty Credit incredible. To them. Credit to Chris Wilder, everybody yeah. involved. Chris Wilder is having a hell of a year. <laughs> Rivaling Frank Lampard right now and Brendan Rodgers for manager of the season. I mean, I know we're only 12 games in. but uh, And then let's move on to our Sunday games. Man U 3, Brighton 1. Manchester United finally get a result that they need. And it came from a Pereira goal, your boy Jimmy, a proper OG and a Rashford yeah. goal in the 66s. I don't understand how the Pereira goal was not an OG, too, because it was like, I guess because it was on targets, technically, thing, but like that would never go in if it didn't <laughs> hit off that guy. But still, credit to them. And Dunk also dunk. got a goal. Yeah. Classic Dunk goal. But Rashford. I think it was Dunk it hit off of the other ones. He kind of uh, had two in this one, really. But... Did you see? Um, I know Rashford ended up scoring a, a nice goal. Mm-hmm. And he has that move all over Twitter right now where he did the. Uh, I think the Elastico, is that oh, what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Anyways, yeah, yeah. very cool. Very, very cool. <laughs> and, I, and I love, my favorite thing from this and from uh, the midweek game for United is oh, we all can remember now that Anthony Martial is the best player in the world. Yeah. That's what Twitter's telling me. <laughs> telling me he's the, the most skillful, just the best, the yeah. best player. I don't know who's worse. I don't know what's a worse fan base, United or Arsenal. I really can't decide anymore. Liverpool. Oh, sorry, sorry. Was that, that was that an option? You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna question you. Um, but yeah, United get a much needed win, and uh, at least they can win at home because the other two teams that are collapsing cannot. Yep. Uh, so maybe United aren't the worst. I think Arsenal have moved to the top of the panic meter, yeah, followed think, by Spurs, then yeah. United, yeah, where yeah, it was opposite so. at I the start of right. the season. Yeah. And then we had Wolves two, Villa one. We had a goal from Neves and Jimenez. Awesome goal. Yeah. Awesome goal from Neves. This was a Portuguese connection. <laughs> you had Matinho take the free kick, slide it across the uh, the box over to Neves, who rifles it in. And then we had a Raul Jimenez goal yeah. assisted by Adama Traore, <laughs> the best player in the world. He is amazing. He is amazing <laughs> he, and terrible. He's so fun to one. watch. He's so fun to watch for that exact reason. Like he's so good and so bad at the same time. <laughs> he's it awesome. just he is. Uh, I stand. I will say to the end of my day, man, it should have been a running back. He would have been a hell of a running back. <laughs> and then uh, Villa got a consolation goal in the 90th Trezeguet. plus two from Trezeguet. But, Jimmy, before we get into Liverpool City, the one everyone wants to talk about, let us take a quick break yes. and we will be right back. Big thank you to Vivid Seats for sponsoring this episode. Jimmy, if you were going to go to any game in the world, where would you go? Decide now. You can't go to Liverpool City anymore. Any game in the world? Any game. Any game. One, okay. two, three. Say it now. I want to go... 
I want to go to an Arsenal game. Next <laughs> Arsenal game. You know why? Because I, I want to be amongst the people when they lose and just see the... You want to be holding the Emery out. Yeah, like I want to be one of those people in the background of like Arsenal fan TV, just (laughs) standing there, like losing my mind when (laughs) when when troops when troops says something. Emery blood clot Yang out. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to go to the next Arsenal game and you're a first time ticket buyer, I would implore you to go to the App Store, the Google Play Store, download the Vivid Seats mobile app. And when you do that, fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Royal <laughs> fucking A royalty. No, it's a rewards loyalty program, not a royalty program. This is the third consecutive week where I can't figure it out. Uh, and when you do buy the tickets, first-time buyers enter promo code Overtime at checkout and receive up to one hundred dollar discount. Did you say up to a hundred dollars? That's up to one hundred dollars. That is pretty royal. And you will be royalty on the loyalty program on Vivid Seats. Thank you to Vivid Seats. Check them out. Thank you to our sponsors at my bookie, Jimmy. You know that I like to dabble in the gambling. Who doesn't? Did you gamble this weekend? I actually did not this weekend. Ooh. This is the first weekend in eons. I didn't do it. But I'm <laughs> telling you, I'm gearing up for next weekend. And I'm going to use my bookie. Ooh, mybookie.ag, that is. So, Jimmy, if you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, you might try out a parlay. You might just dabble in whatever you want. My bookie has it all. Uh, NFL lines, NBA lines, Bella's yeah. meowing. My We're cat, gonna keep she's it in. in. She's ready to. She's in for my bookie. NHL, NCAA coming up, and they also have some Premier League. Even Bella the cat likes yes. it. So Jimmy, if you want to join mybookie.ag right now, they will match your first deposit halfway, all the way up to one thousand oh, dollars. Wow! So that means if you deposit two G's, you get an extra thousand dollars in free money to play with. That's, That's awesome. free monies. That is a great deal. Actually. And bet it all on the Friars. Bet it all on the Friars is right. Uh, just use promo code Overtime to activate the offer. And once again, that's promo code Overtime. Take advantage of my bookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid, baby. All right, Jimmy, we are back, and let's talk about the big one, the one that you want to talk about. We do have to. If I have to talk about Arsenal every week, you have to talk about Manchester City losing 3-1 away at Anfield to Liverpool. That's Premier League champions Liverpool to you. That's Champions League champions Liverpool to you. That's Liverpool who's going to win everything in the damn world this year because they are just incredible. But, Jimmy, let's hear it from you. Tell me what happened in this 3-1 defeat to Manchester City. A lot. A lot happened. Um, First of all, let's say this. Liverpool are an incredible team. Yes. So much talent, such a organized way that they play, they're ruthless. They are. If you give them a chance, they punish you. And that is what they did to City this game. But it does need to be noted that they did not do it without help. Mm. Um, Michael Oliver is a nasty man. <laughs> Gigi <did>. Buffon <laughs> was right about Michael Oliver. That's my biggest takeaway from this. He he knew. He knew two years ago that Michael Oliver was a bad man. And he has proved it this year. This is a man who is, he took away a wonderful Gabriel Jesus goal to win the game against Tottenham. And now he... He set this game up for Liverpool. Your cat is going yeah, nuts. Bella's, Bella's just as angry as I am. Isn't that right, Bella? Yeah. She's very mad. Um, but um, so six minutes into this game. The drama begins. Yes, the drama begins. Balls cross into the box. 
Hits needs to be noted does hit off Bernardo Silver's arm, I believe, first. Hits off Trent Alexander-Arnold's arm, which is extended away from his body a good eight and a half yards, I believe they calculated, away from Silva. Um, and then he wins back possession. Ball goes up the field. City can't clear the ball out. A terrible clearance by Gundogan. Then Stones doesn't close down. Fabinho just, no, nah, can't be bothered. And Fabinho hits an absolute beautiful strike. Nothing Bravo can do about it. No. Perfect goal, 1-0 Liverpool. City incensed, losing their mind about this handball. Mm-hmm. Aguero stopped, first of all, it should be noted, in the middle of play. Didn't even try to win the ball back, stopped. But when you see the replay, you understand why he stopped, because this was the most blatant of blatant handballs. Arm extended away from the body. So let's go into the rules about it. Because there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the ball hit Bernardo Silva's hand first. So the new rule, if it hits a hand leading to a goal, it's not a goal. Well, I've looked into it. And I've seen people who are much smarter than me. Uh, Raf Honestein was a person who noted the rule specifically. The rule does not pertain to penalty penalties. So because it hit Bernardo Silva's arm before it hit him to lead to a penalty, that would still be a penalty. It does not wave it off. Now, first things, yeah, that doesn't really make that much sense, but that is a rule because it's a stupid rule. Mm-hmm. This new handball rule is a bad rule. I think we all agree it's just it was meant to be you can't handle the ball into the net. They worded it so you can't handle the ball in anything that leads to it going into the net. We need to just change it in. It cannot hit your hand in any way and go in the net. Let's just make the wrong that. That was what it was created for. It's become something else where if it hits the guy's hand and then three passes later goes into the goal, it can't be a goal anymore. Yeah. It's just stupid. Um, but they do not call the penalty on Arnold, which I don't understand. I don't understand how this yeah. is not a penalty. So let's, let's talk about why it's not called a penalty because of the goal because is that just it is because it was a goal which makes it worse the thing is it oddly yeah. that's what makes it worse and we i think everyone knows that's why it wasn't called back if they had just lost the ball and it went out when they went to var they would have gave a penalty so it was a that. double whammy it was the, it was like the one two gun with the old one two yeah that's that's the saddest thing about this didn't i say that any like var call there's always at the end of the play there's always some type of drama Mm-hmm. That like it yep. always has to be a questionable handball. The other team goes out and scores. scores. It's yep. just it seems like that's always the case. Um, it's tough though because it it pretty clearly was a handball from Trent Alexander Arnold. Mm-hmm. It looks like he intentionally extends yes. his arm to have that. But ball I don't think it. you can argue that. You can argue about the Bernardo part and say that's stupid. But like we said, that's apparently what the rule is. But yeah. I don't think you can argue that it was a handball. I really don't think you can. Yeah. So. It, it was a handball, was. but Liverpool go up and they score from that. If they were to call that back, the scrutiny on VAR would have even it would have been times ten. It's just I don't think you can call it if that's the end result of the play where you don't stop. But you realize that makes whistle. it worse. I know it does, <laughs> but there's no good answer to VAR. I mean, we've debated it a hundred times on here. VAR is bad. And they didn't call it on the field. You can't call back the goal for that. Here's my here's my issue with it, and this is where I think my biggest issue with VAR is because we've we've grown. We talk about every week. I'm so tired of it. But here's the biggest issue with it: is there is no consistency. The issue isn't VAR itself. Is there's no consistency with it? You you have you've been calling things back. They've called things back. They've given things. This is clear as day. You've got to make this call. Yeah. They didn't do it because they didn't have the balls, quite frankly, to rule off a goal in Anfield and give a penalty to the other team. That's my honest opinion why they didn't do it. 
I think genuinely is, what I think it is. If this is at home at the Etihad, do they call? That's it? what I'm saying. It goes another. I I, I genuinely think that's what it was. Mm. And it, as you said, if they didn't score the goal, I think they would have called it back. But because that would have made it even more that you would have been taking a goal away from Liverpool at home and giving a penalty. I don't think they had the confidence to make that call, even though it was the right call. And again, where I go to consistency, when we get to the second goal, which was soon after, Mohamed Salah scores a goal. Great play by Liverpool. Nice cross. Salah is what I will call possibly offsides. I don't even want to get into if he was or not, but he was the thing that we've spent all season having these long, like we talked about three minutes in the Tottenham game, looking at these. Yeah. They looked at it. They did not look at it. I believe it was either two seconds or they didn't look at it at all. It was literally the goal was like that. So yeah. either they didn't go or they went to it and did it in literally 30 seconds maybe. So, again, with the consistency. You need to be consistent. Yeah. And, and I think VAR everybody would that. be fine if you say, you know what, on anything close like that, we're not going to go and do these lines and things mm-hmm. anymore. I think everybody would be fine with that. I'm fine with that. I don't have an issue with this goal counting. I have an issue with the fact that we've seen so many similar goals pretty much all season viewed differently than this one was. That is where my issue is. I would gladly let this goal count every single time. Just like Sterling's goal early in the year should have counted. Just like Firmino's goal last week should have counted. Just like Like Socrates. Socrates. All these things should have all counted. Mm -hmm. Where's the consistency? Because all of them didn't. So then this one probably shouldn't. And then this is the thing where people are really getting mad. Is have you seen the line that people have been showing for this? That's a a crooked fucking line. Yeah. It's like blatant. You've seen it. It's like blatantly crooked, and that is the one they showed on the broadcast. And it's like this is where people, and I know that there is there's such a pro Liverpool agenda that there is also a very negative anti Liverpool agenda. So you get both. Yeah. So, but if you are a part of the anti camp, this is the stuff <laughs> that makes you infuriated. <laughs> but. I don't want to talk any more about that. I want to talk about the game itself. Liverpool were clinical in all their chances. Yeah. They played on the counter against City, and they tore them apart. Um, City were... City had the chances to still win this game regardless of this. Large chunks of the game, City were better. Yep, and they had a lot, a lot of chances and failed to convert any of them. Sergio Aguero played probably the worst game I've ever seen. Never scored at Anfield. And, I mean, if you watched this game, you would wonder how he's ever scored at all. <laughs> he, he he generally had, like, two where he just missed the ball. Yeah. Um, Like, shocking. I mean, he is arguably the greatest, without competition, one of the greatest strikers in the history of the Premier League. Yeah. And he literally looked like some guy off the street trying to finish some of these chances. He was swinging and missing. He was... Just no confidence, which is the opposite of what you see with him. This is a guy who shoots from anywhere with absolute confidence. It was so weird, and it's what you keep seeing every time he plays in Anfield. And then um, we saw Angelino play, who I actually thought was pretty good. I know a lot of people have been very critical of him. They've like A lot of people thought he was terrible, and Mendy not being in this game was horrible. I thought Angelino was fine. I don't think he was a problem at all. No. My bigger issue was John Stones just... (laughs) And he didn't do necessarily anything wrong in this game. But I think it's when you're watching someone like Van Dyke and seeing what they do. Mm -hmm. And then seeing someone like John Stones who just... He doesn't do anything well. Like He really just... This game made me miss Laporte so much. And I know we had a question about Laporte, which we'll get into. I'll save it for that. But this game made me miss him. Maybe miss Leroy Sané so much. Which I think is you're seeing City, you know, continue to drop points here. 
you realize the importance of a player like him who can change a game like that with his pace and creativity. And City really missed that and may forever be missing that as it looks like there's still a chance he will be gone. Mm. Um, The Gundogan haters had a good case in this game. Um, Was not at his best, to say the least. Mahrez not playing was surprising to me and I think a mistake. Um, Just all in all, Bravo on the third goal was just awful. Yeah, that was a tough one. Tough one, but he got his hand, he got both hands to it. And it didn't. And just, it was, it, my point being, you know, City were not at full strength in any way, and it showed, and they paid for that. But Liverpool, ruthless attack. Great midfield play, which again is always like yeah. underrated with Liverpool. Fabinho was excellent. Jordan Wijnaldum. Henderson and Wijnaldum were yeah. both like, they were probably the best two players for Liverpool was Henderson and Wijnaldum. They were mm-hmm. excellent. Um, the only bright stop for City really was Sterling, which was nice to see at Anfield. He he terrorized Alexander-Arnold in this game. Did. They had a good battle. They had a good battle. He was by him most of the game, but there was just no one was there to capitalize on it. Jesus at one point had a good chance to put it wide. It just it was frustrating from a City perspective. Frustrating to see Liverpool go nine points clear. Um, but can you? I want to hear your take on it. I mean, you you watch it from the neutral perspective, yeah. so you can maybe give a better goal than I can. But like I said, I think Liverpool fully deserved the win. It's just I hate games where there's such a big call early that changes the whole game because yeah. City were chasing it, and when you're chasing it at Anfield, you're just setting yourself up to fail. Yeah, well, I think that early goal made for an incredible, incredible game filled with drama. You know, everything you'd want minus the VAR drama. Um, I mean, the second goal for Salah, I do, I do think he was on sides. Actually, I know the, I've seen angles where he's like clearly on, and then somewhere he's clearly off. So I mean, I'm glad VAR didn't touch that one. And uh, overall, I mean, City didn't play poorly, but they weren't able to play like Manchester City until really the end of that game. Mm-hmm. I thought where they had possession, they were probing and probing, and eventually they did score through Bernardo Silva. Uh, as I went up to the bathroom, of course. Literally the one minute I go to the bathroom, they <laughs> score. But regardless of the fact, I mean, it comes down to finishing your chances. Liverpool, in the beginning of the game, had limited chances when City had a lot of possession early on, and they were more clinical. And when you're more clinical, you win the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I think that's where it comes down to. City were obviously hurting in the back. Mm-hmm. And uh, Liverpool deserved to win. They were the better team yep I, and, uh, I mean you can't i do really... want to give credit to liverpool too they were really good at those tactical fouls this game that clock likes to talk <laughs> about they were really really good at him Fabinho too i mean this guy could he could kick the shit out of you and won't get a card it's quite impressive i mean he's learned from fernandinho i guess because i know fernandinho is the master of it but Fabinho, he's not too bad at it himself yeah uh, so you're you're out on the officiating in this game you were upset about that I, i'm i am upset about it but i don't take it away from liverpool i, I think that they were great yeah. um i don't want to take anything away from them but i i just i feel that city were dealt a, a bad hand and when you're already playing arguably the best team in the world at a place that is very, very hard to play, you yeah. can't have the tight calls go against you. You just have no shot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you nailed a lot of this game, and I'm, I'm just concerned that the league might be close to over. We'll see. I don't give up hope. I don't give up hope. Uh, we saw it last year. We saw it years before with Liverpool. Until I see them finish a season with the Premier League, I will believe, and I believe in City, um, I do question if, you know, if it starts to continue like this, 
do they focus on the Champions League, which is the one they haven't won? Do they kind of pull, you know, the opposite of kind of not what Liverpool pulled last year, but two years ago, where Liverpool were really focused on the the Champions League, while City focused on the Premier League, and we'll see. Yeah. I, I, I'm quite interested to see what happens. I still believe in this team, though. But I mean, t- two times in a row was very difficult. Winning it three years in a row, damn near impossible. Yeah. So I can't say I'm that surprised. I'm uh, I'm really not too confident in City this year. They've they've not played as well as we've seen them play in the past. And I the mean, injuries have hit them hard. Too. Exactly. It, the Laporte injury, I can't overstate how important that was. Yeah. Yeah, he's a huge piece. And uh, we did get some questions on this game. One from our friend Kono, who is a Liverpool fan. He said, tactically, which is the bigger loss for City? Laporte not playing at center back or Fernandinho not playing in the six? By moving him to center back, it seems like you're losing two players to injury due to one. So, it's Laporte. It's it's the Laporte part because I honestly think Rodri's done a good job of actually replacing Fernandinho. Yeah. I think he's played that role very well prior to his injury. He wasn't at his best in this game, but I didn't think he was really that bad. Um uh but with Laporte, I think people don't realize or didn't realize how good he was. Yeah. He kind of he didn't have the Van Dyke effect that he had on Liverpool where you saw the defense becomes exceptionally better like substantially yeah, reformed better. yeah reformed whereas city's defense which has always been like a problem but statistically was always good and yeah. with laporte stayed good well but the, laporte the, you go ahead i was gonna say the thing with city is that in the past it felt like they didn't have to defend so much yeah. so they could get away with yeah. having someone yeah, like Oda exactly. Mendy. but but now they're getting a lot yeah. more pressure put on them where laporte was a yeah. huge piece and the thing with laporte too is he he's an exceptional defender but he was also instrumental in the attack. Yes. Which is what I don't think people quite realize with him is he would make passes from the back that would split defenses apart. And it passes that few, if any, center backs can make. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I would say maybe maybe Van Dyke can do it. David Luiz. PK. PK. <laughs> David Luiz, yes. And, and PK are mm-hmm. one of the few who have that ability to make these like top midfield level passes. Yeah. And that's what Laporte can do. He can separate a defense. He was great at bringing the ball forward and you could build and you had confidence, but he organized the back line and he he was just an exceptional player. Outside of having maybe not top tier level athleticism, he's just an all-around amazing player. Mm-hmm. And when you lose that, and the problem is the rest of City's defenders aren't really that exceptional. Yeah. They're not. Like John Stones he was a lot of money, but he was a lot of money because of the potential he has. And I think it's quite clear at this point, he's not going to fulfill that great potential. He's going to be okay. He's fine. He's mm-hmm. he's a suitable, good player. But he's not a Premier He's really not like a Premier League winning center back, which is ironic because he's won two Premier Leagues. Yeah. But he's not. he was never the starter, really, on either of those teams. It was... You know, it was Laporte the last two years with Odomendi one year and then really company the next. Mm-hmm. Um, Odomendi has his moments. When he's good, he's really good. When he's bad, he's really, really bad. And the fact that Stones looks like it's over him just kind of shows you kind of what you're at with them. Fernandinho's our best center back. He's yeah. not a center back. And Cornell did have a follow-up. He said, with Fernandinho looking like he's ahead of Odomendi in the center back pecking order, are you happy with Rodri in the next six? No, are you happy with Rodri in the six for the next run of more difficult league matches? Yes, I I, yeah. I rate Rodri. I'm not happy with um, Stones or Mendy playing center back. I'm fine with Rodri. I think Rodri is a really really good player. 
Yeah. I think um, if people base it off of this game, it's kind of unfair to him. His first game back from injury for a few weeks now. When he was prior to that, he looked really, really good. Yeah. And I think he is a great player. Uh, I think he's going to take some time to really be at his top level. But Fernandinho's been, in my opinion, the best, you know, six in the league for a while now. So it's a hard level to step in and replace. But um, I think Rodri, for the future, is a really, really good player. So I'm confident in him. But it just sucks. It sucks. I'd love to see what a midfield with those two together in it could do Mm. to really shut teams down. And they're both pretty good at bringing the ball forward. So I don't think City would lose that much. But it is what it is. You make do. Yeah, they they're in dire need of a center back. Yeah, basically. And you watch the game. Was he not the best defender on the team? Was Fernandinho? Yeah. Was it not? Fernandinho is <laughs> such a great, great player. I'm just like an all time great yeah. player. But uh, we got another question, kind of related to the city game. It's about VAR from Alberto Torres. He said, "When is VAR going to clarify the handball rule? PK offsides, technical fouls. My mom's lasagna." Um, <laughs> I don't know. It never. Never is going to be the case. It's either going to continue to be divisive or they're going to get rid of it, which yeah. does not seem well, likely. Here's, a big, here's the other issue with it. it, it that, like you said, it, it seems like they will not be consistent. And the best thing I saw when it was talking, actually, it was about the handball, but it, I think it fits for the offside too, is it's based differently the competition too. Yeah. Like in the Champions League, that would have been a handball every time. Think of the Tottenham game. I hit the guy's hand on his yeah. body and they call it a handball. The way they view it is very different per the league. Mm. So even if the Premier League comes out and says, this is what offsides is going to be on VAR, Champions League may view it very differently in the Bundesliga and et cetera. So I, at this point, it just makes my head spin. I'm just, we need consistency. That's what we need. We need consistency. It's never going to be perfect. But if we could just say, if you're somewhat in line, we're not, tie goes to the runner type of thing, we're going to call it a goal. Or if you, you need to be blatantly offsides to change it or something like that, then that's fine. But I, I, I really want to get away from this drawing the line and saying that this guy, his nose hair is slightly offside, yeah. so he's offsides. I, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's going to have to be reevaluated at the end of the season. I don't think during the season we're going to see anything change. So uh, we're stuck with this divisive VAR for probably at least the rest of this season, probably for the rest of our lives, though. Uh, but anyways, we had a question from Durham Halimi. Uh, this is the man who helped us with the Newcastle segment during our uh, multi-team special. So thank you for that, Durham. And he said, how would you rate Steve Bruce at the moment? Most pundits thought he'd be the first manager to be sacked, but Newcastle have claimed four wins and three draws in their first 12 matches. So, Steve Bruce, you have an apology for me. I thought Newcastle, <laughs> I, I called them dead when they got rid of Rafa. I said they were done. I was wrong. This team has heart. It's good spirit. Steve Bruce is doing a very good job with this team. They've been in every game. There's another team that you don't see. Even when they lose, they're in the game. Yeah. Um, I've been very impressed with them. Even the way they play. They're, they've got a little bit of a... They got, I mean, here's the thing. They're not going to be a big possession team. But yeah. they're not afraid to go at you. With uh, St. Maximin, Almiron... Jolie yeah. Tone. Jolie <laughs> they, they go. They go at teams. Yeah. So, um, I, 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 I skill one to ten. One what? to ten for Steve Bruce. Where are you rating him? Seven point five. Wow. I, I, I just good... because I thought this team was dead. Yeah. Like to me, they were. I told you the beginning that they were my dead team. I thought they were dead. They haven't been. Credit to Steve Bruce. He's yeah. done exactly what he's had to do. No one's asking him to make them be in the top six. 
but they're doing what they need to do. Credit to them for that. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle have impressed me too. I mean, they've been organized. Like you said, they seemingly never have a game where they're getting blown out. And they've had some pretty big results. Uh, so Steve Bruce has been one of the better managers given the hand that he's been dealt this season. So uh, mm-hmm. Newcastle fans should be really happy with him. I'll give him a 6.9. Sex. Steve Bruce, sexiest manager in the Premier League. Um, anyways, let's move on. And we had a question from Justin Desloris about Arsenal, about Emery. Uh, he said, if Emery was sacked tomorrow, who would you want to replace him? He gave me the four options of Freddie Lundberg, uh, Luis Enrique, and Jose Mourinho or other. And I've, I've given my answer on this. The immediate replacement is going to be Freddie um, because he's the assistant right now and from what we've seen in the Europa League, apparently he is the guy who manages the Europa League mm-hmm. for Arsenal, and they've done decently well, uh, bar their last game. But who would I want to replace him? It's Arteta. I, I really do think Arteta would be a, a huge get at this point. If we could even play one-tenth of the style that Manchester City play, this would be a, an amazing appointment if we were to get Arteta, but... Doesn't look like we're going to do anything until the end of this season, which is <laughs> fucking absurd. But anyways, Jimmy, that's the end of our Twitter questions here. Uh, do you want to hit them with the plugs? Well, what about the predictions, Michael? There we is- have none. <gasps> no! It's an international break. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> oh, I, let me tell you something. City don't lose that often, obviously. But they have a habit. To always lose and lose in the worst <laughs> ways right before the international break. They let you still So I have it. to sit with it and just, oh, it just eats me up inside. But yeah. you're right. We don't have any predictions this week. Um, but you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Kind of on Instagram, not that consistently. More on Twitter to interact with us. We've been pretty active on there. Mm-hmm. so And we always like to hear from people. Michael likes to get in fights with people. Um, oh, that you were, guy. You were getting, yeah. Completely wrong. Yeah. Completely wrong for so, the second time. We we love to do that. So please, it's at soccer mostly on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us mostly soccer show at gmail.com. You can leave us more five star reviews to cheer us up after, you know, a rough week. And uh, thanks to the person who was with me on Raheem Sterling. We were wrong <laughs> this time. We'll get him next time. Get him next time in the reviews. All right. We will see you next week. Bye bye.